That was fun. Thanks. I, I like to sing every once in a while, not because I think I can. It's because I told Ryan, I like to, I like to feel what they're feeling. I like to see it. Y'all, y'all sing good. Y'all sound good. Amazing. Um, I, I had a great time last week. So last week, Shannon and I took off to Tennessee and uh, hung out with Chris and Holly Brown. Some of you will remember Chris and Holly. They were with us last summer. And they planted a church up there called The Well. And uh, they're doing amazing. Um, they, they started and they're out of room. Like they're asking people to stand along the walls. It's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, and so we, 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 we were up there and preached the two morning services and hopped in the car and drove from Nashville to Anderson. I'm not going not gonna to confess how fast I got here because there are police officers in the room. And I don't know if I can get post-arrested, but, um, but we made it back. But while we were on the way back, we listened to Bishop Cole Farlow bring the word, and it was, it was good. Did y'all enjoy Cole's message last week? I, it was good. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I liked it. I didn't love it. And the reason I didn't love it is because it was convicting. Um, I'm, I, I told him, I was like, I'm gonna, I would appreciate it if you'd keep it lighter and not get in my business the whole time. But we'll talk about that later. I miss you guys, and it made me realize that we've got a church, and one of the things I love about our church is how different people are. Um, we've got people that prefer different things. Like, for example, I'm going to ask you a question, but let me explain it before you raise your hand, because sometimes people raise their hand, and you shouldn't. Um, how many of you love to cook? And when I say love to cook, I'm not talking about you can heat up some Chef Boyardee and a microwave. I'm talking about you get out, you get out the, the spices, and you get out the cookbooks, and you get out the ingredients, and you go to the store, and you, you know what parsley is, okay? You, you get all this stuff out, and you love to get it, and you, you, love, you just love spending hours in the kitchen making stuff. Anybody? Anybody? Keep your hand up, because I want to see whose house I'm going to come to. Okay, just got it, got it, got it, got it. Um, I, me, for me, gourmet cooking is, is DoorDash. How quick can they get, get to my door? I, I, I don't love to cook, but I love to eat good cooking. My, the best cook in the world ever was my grandma, and she never followed a recipe. She just threw stuff together, and it tasted good, and I don't know how she did it. Um, how many people in the room, you're an extrovert? You, you just love people. You love being around people. People give you energy. You love it. That's great. How many people in the room are introverts? Okay, typically, we're like this. this I'm, I don't really want to raise my hand all the way up, but I'm... <laughs> It hit me the other day how introverted I am. This is a true story. I went to the gas station, and I put my thing in. I was trying to pay, and it, like, pay the pump, and it said, see the cashier? I stuck it in my pocket and went to another gas station because I, I don't want to go. I don't want to go see. I quit going. Listen, I quit going through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru because they stuck people out there. I don't want to talk to people. I want to talk to that board. That's that, but, but now I go in now and get my order and keep my head down, but I'm, I'm an introvert. We all have different things that we love. We all have different things that we're good at, and, and church people are the exact same way. There are different kinds of people in every church, but the types of people that I'm going to describe to you tonight are in every church. It doesn't matter if it's here in America or on another continent. It doesn't matter if it's Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, Baptist, or Charismatic. The types of people that I'm about to walk through tonight are in every church, and they are in this church. You're going to find yourself tonight in one, hopefully two, categories. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands on these, okay? But, but you're going to find yourself tonight. So what, what I thought I would do, my original intention was to read through the passage of Scripture, just read straight through it without making any comments, but I'm a preacher, and we can't do that. We've got to stop and comment. So stick with me. This is out of Mark chapter 2. 
Um, there's four accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Most scholars believe that Matt, Mark got his information from Peter, like in an interview. So, so Mark is writing this down. And Mark 2, if you've been around the church for a minute, you've heard of this story. It's about the guys that brought the friend of Jesus. I call them the Mark 2 action crew, okay? Here we go, Mark 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Watch this. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Now, this is where I got to stop. And the reason I got to stop is because when a church starts to grow in any community, now I've experienced this here at Second Chance, but churches all over the world have experienced this. When a church starts to grow, oftentimes other churches will take shots at that church and they'll say, well, the reason they're growing is because they're watering down the word. You ever heard that? Watering down the word. I don't know if we bring a Bible out and pour water on it. I don't know how that works, but watering down the word, which the opposite is actually true because right here we see Jesus who was the word preaching the word. And when the word preaches the word, people keep showing up. You like have to do things like start a third service just to get all the people in the, in the room. It's, that's what happens. And so, so anytime somebody's taking a shot and, and, and I've heard it and they're like, well, they're not preaching the word. I'm like, well, they're just not preaching your version, but they're preaching the word because people are showing up and getting saved. All right. So that was for free. I'm not even gonna charge off of that. Here we go. Verse three, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, I read the Bible a little different. I think it's kind of funny because, first of all, we don't know that there were just four men. There was just four men carrying him, so there could have been more. He was carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, we've always made the assumption that he wanted to go. But what if he didn't want to go? It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because he didn't have a choice. He was paralyzed. What was he going to do? He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't even fight for himself. They're like, you going? This is you going to church. This is... This is biblical permission to bring people to church, all right? However you got, don't tell me about it, all right? Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, because he was, we don't know his name, but he was paralyzed and on a mat for the rest of the sermon, I'm gonna refer to him as Matt. They, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, because there's a lot of people, a lot of people there. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Now, this is what's crazy. I heard a guy teach it on this one time, and he's like, we've always talked about the roof, and it's not, he said it's not that big of a deal because in Capernaum, they had tiles for roof, and they would just open up the tile and lower people through. First of all, if that's still awesome that they did that. Second of all, that's not true. I've been to Capernaum like 12 times. I've seen the ruins of the, house, of the houses that were around during Jesus' time, and during that, those times, they made their roofs out of hay, uh, wood, mud, and animal dung. They, they literally dug through crap to get their friend to Jesus. They, they went through it. Now, this is the other thing, and we don't know because Peter didn't tell Mark. And Mark didn't write this down, but I had somebody ask me one time. I was teaching them this. They said, Pastor Pete, what if they were lowering him down and they dropped him? And my answer was, he was paralyzed. It couldn't get any worse for him, all right? What was it? I mean, nothing was going to get worse because Matt, they're kind of lowering him down. They're like, oh, my bad. Hey, Jesus, 
Can you do something about that? So they lower him down right in front of Jesus. And watch this. Seeing their faith, not his faith, but seeing their faith. By the way, I didn't say this this morning, but how could Jesus see their faith? They lowered him down. They lowered him down. How did Jesus see their faith? I'll tell you what I think. I can't prove this. It's just what I think. I think he saw their faith because they let go of the ropes. In other words, we lowered him down. We gave him to you. We're not pulling him back up. He's yours. They let, ooh, that, mm. Got, got a little charismatic coming out in me right there. I might have to take a lap. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now, in this text that we just read, we see about four or five different types of people. I'm going to tell you what these people are, and then we'll talk about them, and maybe you can find yourself in, in this group. Number one, we see someone in need. Someone in need. How many people in this room have ever made a trip to the ER? You've made a trip to the ER, okay? Yeah, lots of hands. Here's what I know. You made a trip to the ER because you were in need. You didn't just go, you know what, babe? I, we don't have anything to do tonight. Why don't we go to the ER and make fun of people? Like, like that's, by the way, that's sick. That's dark. I don't, I'm sorry about that. That's just in my heart. But, but, but none of us have ever done that. We don't, we don't go to the ER because we want to. We go to the ER because we need to. Now, some people have said you need to go to Target, but, you, but not really. Because what I've discovered is when I go to Target, if I need something, I always walk out of there with things that I didn't know I needed because of the way the store's laid out, right? Like Shannon has gone there before and she came back and she said, baby, look at all this stuff. And I'm like, what'd you? She said, well, it's on sale. And I guess that's woman code. If it's on sale, that means you got to buy it because you save money for your husband. Any husband, your wife has saved you so much money, you don't even know what to do. Anybody? Okay, yeah, there's two guys. Everybody else just left me hanging. Relationship series after Easter. Your butt better be here. God, you need it. All right, so someone in need. Now, in this story, obviously, the guy in need is Matt because Matt is paralyzed. And on the surface, we can look and we think we know his need. We think we can identify his need. He's paralyzed. He obviously can't take care of himself. Get him in front of Jesus. Jesus takes care of the need. But his need was actually deeper than the paralysis he was experiencing. Because in that culture, if you had a physical problem, whether it was paralysis, whether you were blind, whether you were deaf, whether you were lame, any physical problem, they tied it into a spiritual issue. So if you had a physical problem, they assumed you had a spiritual problem. And if you had a physical deformity, you could not go to the temple. If you could not go to the temple, you could not be prayed for. If you could not be prayed for, your, your sins could not be forgiven. And if your sins could not be forgiven, not only were you pretty much damned to hell on earth, but you were damned to hell for eternity. So he had a deeper need than just getting his paralysis taken care of. He needed to meet God. But here's the problem. He couldn't go to God. So his friends brought him to Jesus. And Jesus loved us so much that he came to us. And we see in the story someone in need. Now the reason I love this part of the story is because our church is kind of like ER. We're not really like Target. We're, we're, we're like an ER. We, this church was started so people in need could walk through these doors. When I say people in need, let me tell you, um, maybe you've been plagued this week 
or, or for months or maybe for even years with worry. And if, we, if you don't handle worry, worry will lead to anxiety. If you don't handle anxiety, anxiety will lead to depression. And, and maybe that's your deal. Maybe you've got an addiction. And, and it's, listen, I know, I know all about that. I've wrestled with that several times in my life. Maybe you've got a problem. Maybe you've got a worry. Maybe you've got a relationship issue that's coming apart at the seams. Here's what I know. If you are in need, if there's something going on in your life that's got you off track, if there's something that's going on in your life that is not right, you came to the right place because we're not standing at the door judging people by their appearance and we're not looking for perfect people. We started this church and opened these doors so anybody in any spiritual condition could walk in the room, hopefully have a life changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And when you walk out, you're not the same as when you walked in. This church was started because there's a group of people outside these walls. And listen, this world has never needed Jesus more than it needs Jesus right now. I'll get to more of that in a minute. More of that in a minute. I almost got ahead of myself. So we got someone in need, someone in need. Number two, we got someone who cares. Every church, our church, Someone who cares. So cool. Several years ago, I was at a redneck restaurant here in Anderson. Now, the reason I'm not going to name the restaurant is because I discovered if I name a restaurant from the stage and it's not in a positive connotation, that, that somebody here either owns the restaurant, works at the restaurant, or your cousin has the restaurant. Okay, so redneck restaurant in Anderson, there are lots of options. The way you know it's a redneck restaurant, one of the ways it's got consistently good sweet tea, okay? It's not hit and miss. Like, for example, Cracker Barrel is not a redneck restaurant. It's a high-class yucky lot, okay? Just think about it for a second. Somebody started a yard sale and a restaurant broke out and they call it Cracker Barrel and they put that triangle game on the tab table to make you feel stupid. Does me. Anyway, so they had sweet tea and so we're ordering and I had two friends, two friends that had relocated to the south from up north, they, they, they were Yankees, and I'm trying to help them out. I was trying to tell my friend, I said, you need to get some sweet tea. And he's like, I've never had sweet tea. And I was like, your life's about to change. And he goes, no. He said, well, up north, we take, we take the tea, and then we put the sugar in it. And I said, when it's cold? He, he said, yeah. I said, it sinks to the bottom, bro. It sinks to the bottom. And you got to put it in there. When I was trying to explain to him the art of making sweet tea. Anyway, so he got sweet tea, got to his wife, and she said, she turned to the woman, and she said, I'll have a pink lemonade. Now, when a southern woman puts her hand on your shoulder and tilts her head and says, sweetheart, she just called you stupid. <laughs> Tell me I'm lying. She put her hand on her shoulder. She tilted her heart. She says, sweetheart, we have never had pink lemonade. And I'm, she, and then she looked at me and I went, I don't, she's a Yankee. I just, she, we're, we're just here. And, and my friend was like, well, I, I, just, I just take water. And so the waitress brings us our drinks and everything's cool. A few minutes later, the waitress comes back. She's got a glass of ice and a bottle of pink lemonade. And, and we all at the table were like, what is happening? And she looked at my friend and she said, sweetheart, your heart was so broken. She said, I couldn't handle it. She said, so I walked to the convenience store next, next door and I bought you a pink lemonade and some ice, and you just let me know if you want me another one, and I'll go get you one. 
I've never forgotten that because, because you, don't, you don't see that a lot, right? It, it's, you can tell when somebody cares. And that's what we see in this story. Somebody cared enough about Matt to bring him to Jesus. It was more than a conversation. See, when, when we feel sorry for somebody, don't miss this, when we feel sorry for somebody, that's all about us. We feel good because we felt sorry for somebody. But compassion is way more than feeling sorry. Compassion is taking action. It's the step beyond, I don't need somebody feeling sorry for me if I'm laying down in a ditch. I need somebody to come get me out of the ditch. And so I don't know how the conversation happened, but the four buddies are sitting around talking and they're like, man, I don't know that much about this Jesus guy, but I heard he can do some miracles. I heard he healed a blind man. I heard he helped a, a, a lame man walk. I, I don't, this is, listen, what if we got Matt in front of Jesus because we can't help him, but I think he can. And they cared enough to pick him up and carry him to the feet of Jesus, and like I said earlier, and let go of the ropes. And the reason that stands out to me so much is the reason I'm on this stage tonight is because 20, 30 years ago, there was a guy that wouldn't give up on me, that cared enough about me to keep inviting me to church over and over and over again. And in 2016, when I got fired, there was a group of people that cared enough about me to keep reaching out to me and keep calling me and keep encouraging me and keep telling me that God wasn't done for me with me. And I know for a fact that people that care make a difference. Our church is full of people that care. It really is. Like for those of you that have kids in the children's ministry right now, those people care. They're, they're, they're teaching your kids for free, free. There's not enough money to get me to go play with kids, right? I love kids, I love your kids from a distance. I love your kids from a distance, all right? I'm not called to do children's ministry. There, there are people, when, before you got here tonight, they were here cleaning up and straightening things up. There, there are people here during the week that help clean things up. There were people parking cars. There are people greeting. Every single week when we walk in these doors, I had somebody tell me, uh, I said, how's your day been? I, I, and they said, 14 people have told me good morning. That was like, like I can't have a bad morning because everybody's telling me good morning. I'm like, that's because we care. I want this to be a church that always cares for people, especially people that don't look anything like us. It was full of people in, that, that, that care, or it had some people in it that care. Number three, every church has someone who is unaware, completely unaware. Now, I'm, oh God, I screwed this up so bad at 11 o'clock. It's, it's the words, it's the letters, hold on. I am ADHD, not just ADD, but ADHD. I kept messing that up. Diagnosed, not self-diagnosed. I had a doctor tell me, dude, bro, you're off the charts. Here's what you need to know about ADHD. See, I can't do it. ADHD people. It's, it's not a weakness. It's a strength. It's a superpower. We don't focus, we hyper-focus. And when we hyper-focus on something, nothing else matters. That's why I can't talk to you 
and watch the movie at the same time. We got to make a choice. Pause. Did you want to say something? <laughs> Shannon likes to talk. So we've compromised. We talk a lot during movies. But, but anyway, this relationship's serious. Relationship. So I get hyper-focused on stuff. And so right before we started Second Chance, I, was, I had this thing where I was traveling around and flying all over the country and trying to help people grow their churches or whatever. And I was flying on an airplane. I sit in the first class section. I got a game I play when I fly in first class. I'm always dressed like I don't belong just to, just to get a reaction out of people. I just, because I love to see, and I don't talk to people. I just put on a hat and cut off shirt and like with, with, with the holes down to here and, and, and like shorts that look like they're from the 1940s because they're comfortable. Um, and I, I just dress like a bum and I got my iPad out. Now I have games on my iPad, but I don't play games unless I'm on a plane. That's my rule. Because if I started playing games during the week, the sermons would suck, but I'd have high scores on everything. <laughs> so, so I'm on this game, I'm, I'm on the, and I'm playing Tetris because Tetris is one of my favorite games. I love Tetris so much. And I'm playing Tetris, and I'm getting really close to beating my high score. Now, if you know anything about Tetris, you got to hyper-focus. You've got to hyper-focus. And, and I was so focused on this game, this is a true story, that I lost sight of the fact that I was on an airplane full of strangers who did not know me. And when I'm playing Tetris, I talk to the game. And I make noises, and I move. I'm going to the left, I'm going to the right. I'm holding the iPad, I'm like, mm, come on, come on. And I beat my high score, I did. I beat my high score, I was like, yes! And I looked up and everybody in first class was staring at me with stink face. And I just said, oh, I, I beat my high score on Tetris. And there was this one little lady, she went, good for you. She had no idea, no, she was clueless. But that's, by the way, that's the truth. Don't ask me. That's a true story. It really happened. But I was completely unaware of everything else around me because I was so focused on this one thing. And we see this in this story because when they brought the paralyzed man to Jesus, they couldn't get him to Jesus because the good news is people were listening to and focused on Jesus. The bad news is they were so focused, focused, on Jesus that they couldn't see the hurting people behind them. And I wrote this down when I was writing out this message because this is a thought that I wrote down that I was like, I wanna hold on to this and it's this. I don't ever want us to be a church that is so focused on Jesus that we lose sight of the focus of Jesus, which is people far from God. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save those who were lost. So, so I don't want us to ever be a church that's just hyper-focused on things. Like I had somebody tell me one time, this is funny. It's a great conversation. I was like, hey, man, um, I've been listening to you teach for a few weeks. You're not really deep. I said, what? He said, you're not really deep. I said, oh, you mean confusing. Because you want to get deep? I can confuse you. We can talk about the trichotomy and dichotomy of the spirit. We can talk about the substitutionary atonement. I told y'all what that was a few weeks ago. We can talk about the peccability and impeccability of Christ. I, I can throw theological words out that would blow your mind and you would leave going, I, he must be smart because I don't know what he said. 
But I like to put it on a level where people can understand it. The reason I like to put it on a pe- level where people understand it is because I went to a church where the pastor preached on a level where I could understand it, and he wasn't deep, but it was real. And I'll take, I'll take real over deep any day of the week. By the way, by the way, I'm, I'm not deep because I ain't, I ain't that smart. All I know is, is God called me to preach. I'm just going to keep doing it until he shuts me down. What do you mean, shut, takes me home? That's when I'm done. All right? And we, we have an opportunity, church. Think about this. The, the world has lost its freaking mind. Have you seen the news this week? The school shooting. Government, which, I mean, they've always been messed up. But it, it, it just, when you're watching our government, you're like, they can't get any worse. Oh, God. And, and this is what, I read a report this week, I forgot to mention that this week, that, that suicide rates, depression rates, anxiety rates are decreasing like this, and church attendance has been decreasing, and it's, it's, it's kind of eerie how they, they match up on this graph. And people are saying the church is done and the church is over, and I'm not in that camp. I'm not saying the church is done. I'm not saying the church is over. I'm saying if there are people out there that we, we, we have an opportunity to reach people that need hope, that need joy, that, that need to know you might be living in a way that you don't like, but by the power of Jesus, you don't have to live that way anymore. You can walk in freedom. You can have joy in your life. It's completely possible. And yes, I want us to focus on Jesus, but not turn our backs on the people that need him the most. That's why we're always gonna be great commission oriented. We're always gonna be, how can we, I think, I think more people meeting Jesus is a good thing. Amen? So this is what's crazy. Now, I didn't come up with this. I heard somebody say this and I was like, that's too good not to share. So Matt is paralyzed. They lower him in front of Jesus. And, and this is what Jesus does. Jesus says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now imagine you're one of the guys that brought Matt, lowered him down, you're sweating, you're expecting, this, this isn't what you're expecting, is it? Like Jesus says, my child, your sins are forgiven. And all the guys are like, that's not what we really brought him for. He's forgiven but paralyzed. I guess we're going to have to bring him back up. I don't know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? But I heard somebody say this, and it was so good. Oftentimes, Jesus will give us what we need before he gives us what we want. He wanted to walk but he needed to be forgiven. And Jesus, Jesus met him at the deepest level possible and met his greatest need before he met the need on the outside. Is that not great? That's so good. I love the Bible. Number four, people that are critical. Someone is critical. Now, if you follow my ministry for any amount of time, you know that for a season, I got unhealth, 
I mean, it was just unhealthy. I was always fighting with people. Critics. I had names for them. And don't get me wrong, I still have names for them. I just don't say them from the stage. But I want to pause real quick. Forgot to mention this earlier. Whether someone that cares and someone critical is kind of the same. I want to talk to two groups of people watching online right now. Two groups. The first group is you, you're watching online, and I'm not cracking on you for watching online. I praise God that you watch. We, we have, like, special cameras and an Internet feed and all this stuff that we, I don't even know what it is. We got a flux capacitor, and, and it, it helps us. It's, you, like, I'm in. But the thing is, you're not in Oklahoma or you're not in Montana. You're in Anderson, and you could be here. Like, you could be here. And I understand it's convenient, but COVID's over. Even the Republicans and the Democrats agree on that. They've all said it's over. And so the reason I'm, I'm talking to you is because this season, it's just a season, it's time for you to step up it's time for you to step up and get involved in a local church. And if it's not this church, then shut off the feed and go to another one. But you're too valuable to sit on the sideline. It's time for you to stop being a consumer and start and start become somebody that cares. By the way, that's not just for the people watching online. That's for some people in the room, too. You've been consuming for a long time. It's time to take that next step. Y'all feel that tension? I like it. I used to hate it, but now I just love it. The second group I want to talk to is, is are, there are people that are critics, and I get that. Um, most of them don't show up here. I've had one or two since we started, and they say things to me like, well, you should not be preaching, and I'm like, you're right. It's amazing that I'm preaching. It's the grace of God. I can't even believe it. You are a heretic. I'm like, I probably am. I probably am a heretic. I probably said some stuff that's stupid, and I'm sure it's on YouTube. In fact, I'm sure you're, you put it on YouTube, so I'm sure that I'm a heretic. You're not qualified. I'm like, I know I'm not qualified. It's the craziest thing in the world. I've never been qualified. Even before I got fired, I wasn't qualified. I've never been qualified. The only reason I get to preach is by the grace of God through the power of God. Isn't it amazing? And I, I know there's people that think that I shouldn't do what I'm doing, but here's what I'm saying. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to keep doing it. There are people right now watching this church feed, and you hate me, and you hate our church. And I'm just saying, stop. That's weird. Why would you do that? If you, no. Don't keep hitting your hand with a hammer and tell me you hate hitting your hand. Put the freaking hammer down. Stop it, because we're not going anywhere. In fact, in fact, we're going to grow. So stop, stop. Listen, I'm saving you some frustration. The most critical people, though, aren't people far from God. The most critical people are religious people. Let me, let me point this out in the text. But some teachers of the religious law who were sitting there. Now, by the way, these were deep people. When I say deep, they had the Old Testament memorized. 
Not a verse out of the psalm. All psalm. Memorized. But some of the religious teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, no, I want to stop for a minute and just point out that religious people are the angriest people I've ever met in my life. They're, they're mad. They're just mad. They yell. And they, they have fart face all the time. Like, some, like, you know what I'm talking about? This like, and I confronted a guy on this one time in the church. I said, you need to smile more. And he goes, well, I think a sad face. And I'm like, see, that's the Bible, the, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you have this thing called joy, and you're happy, and you smile. And it's not fake. It's real because joy's better than happiness. I don't have to have certain things happen in my life for me to have joy. I, I, I feel sorry for these people. In fact, if I ever pass that guy down on the street in front of QT that yells at people and Shannon's not in the car with me, I'm going to talk to him and put it on Facebook Live. Hello. And I'll be nice because he has no joy. He yells at people. He's mean. What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Now they're saying this, but they're, they're kind of looking at each other. And they're not saying it out loud. They're just thinking it. You ever thought something but not said it? That's why I'm alive. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Can you imagine this? You didn't even say anything. You just thought it, and you got called out for what you thought. Why are you thinking this in your heart? And they were like, oh, I know what's going on right now. Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Pause. My answer, neither Neither. I can't tell a guy he's forgiven. Now, we can today. It's 2,000 years later. We know about the cross and forgiveness and grace and mercy and the empty tomb. This is Mark chapter 2, which is right. I, the story's just getting started. They didn't have this Bible story on, on flannel graph, okay? They, they didn't know. Which is, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. That's not, well, it's easy to say, but it's kind of cruel if there's no power behind it. Am I right? This is mean. And, and they're sitting there scratching their head. So, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, what is this? Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Isn't that crazy? And everybody in the room kind of held their breath. And the teachers of religious law, held, like this was, this was an intense moment stand up pick up your mat and go home and i'm like dang jesus let him stay for the rest of the message but at this point i think the message is over because watch what happened and the man jumped up now, hold on for a second like when i read that i'm like he jumped up the reason i was thinking about it is because last night i got down in the floor to play with sammy one of our dogs, and I was laying on the floor with Sammy, and it was time to get out of the floor. I'm over 50. That takes about five minutes. You got to plan that out. You got to push your knee out and your leg. You got to push yourself up. You, you got to plan this out. When I was a kid, I could ride my bicycle all day long and never get sore. Now I'm over 50. I pull a hammy going to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Don't even know what I did. I'm like, oh, God. So, so he jumped up. This is 
This is just a snapshot of what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives if we will submit ourselves to him. He didn't crawl up. He didn't barely make it. When Jesus spoke life into him and said, get up, he jumped up and grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. And we would have all been stunned. He dropped the mic, right? They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Let me tell you, when I think about our church, that's what I pray. That, that we will be the church that when we leave, we'll say things like, we've never seen anything like this before. Well, Pastor P, when are we going to get to that level? I'm already there. Do you know that we've never had a Sunday in the history of Second Chance that somebody didn't meet Jesus? That's not normal. Were you at our last baptism service? I, I've never seen anything like that before. That was amazing. Like, I don't want us to take for granted what God is doing here and think it's, it, we get to see God do, do something supernatural every single week. And the people that are critical, they can keep criticizing, and we're going to keep seeing miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle because that's what God's called us to do. And by the way, if you're that person that walked in here with a need, if you'll just let Jesus speak into that, eventually you'll get to the point where you jump up and walk too. You can jump out of an addiction. You can. Sometimes he does it gradually and sometimes he does it instantaneously, but either way he does it, he does it and he gets the glory. Last but not least, someone who needs to be changed. In every church, there's someone who needs to be changed. Somebody here tonight needs Jesus to do something significant in your life. You need Jesus to bring about a change. Now, let me tell you what I'm praying for in addition to what you're going to pray for. I'm praying that he continues to change our church. Continues to change our church. Because we're seeing people every week meet Christ. And we got some room and we're making some more room. And Easter next week is an incredible week to invite somebody to church. They, they might not have been since Christmas. They come on, we call them CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. But you know, eventually, eventually our hope is they stick. And the one thing I know about Jesus is when you truly see him, when you truly see him, it's nearly impossible to walk away. So you got a sticker and a pen. I'm wondering right now, who in your life do you need to bring to church next weekend? Who do you need to bring to an Easter service? I didn't say ask. I didn't say text. They brought him to Jesus, and Jesus did the work. Now, if somebody's popping in your mind right now, that's the Holy Spirit of God. That's not the devil. He's not leading you to invite anybody to church. God is putting that name on your heart. So if God put that name on your heart, I just want you to put that name 
little piece of paper. In just a second, we're going to do an invitation. We're going to sing a song called Make Room. And we're making room in our hearts for Jesus, but we're making room in this house for people to come. And the name that you've got written down, I just want you to walk forward. And I want you to put it on the cross. Just stick the name right there. And that's symbolic of us dropping our ropes. Jesus, I'm, I'm going to commit to doing whatever it takes to get this person to church next week. And I'm trusting you that you're going to help me. And I'm trusting you that when we come next week that they're going to hear the gospel and they're going to pray to receive you. I'm believing you, Jesus. We're going to make room. Jesus, I'm making room in my heart for you to stir me. And we're going to make room in this house, God, for you to do something amazing. And there's several crosses. There's one there. There's one on, there's two on either sides of the stage and there's two in the back. And as we begin to sing this song, make room, it's got, it's got a high level meaning because we're going to make room in this place for people to meet Jesus. But the deeper meaning is we're going to make room in our hearts for Jesus to move in our lives significantly this week and partner with him on what matters to him the most. People far from God. So Jesus, right now, as we take a moment to pause and reflect, help us, God, just to lean in and listen to you. And if God laid a name on your heart, I just want you to write it down on the piece of paper. I just want you to write it down. Just write it down on the sticker. Just write it down. Just write it down. Just write it down. Because in just a minute, we're going to stand to sing. But if you wrote a name on a sticker, as you stand to sing, don't just stand. Stand and move. Stand and move toward the cross. Stand and move. Pray that Jesus will allow that person to just get stuck in grace. Father, take these next few moments and move us in ways we need to be moved. We ask this in your name. Amen. Y'all stand up, and if you wrote a name on a sticker, go put it on the cross. What's that change that Jesus wants to do in you? I'll tell you mine. I got pretty honest and vulnerable with the first two services this morning, so I'll just be real with y'all. Um, I've had to get over some fear the past week or two, legitimate fear. And it has to do with starting another campus in Greenville. I'm gonna be honest, this is kind of nice. We got a building, got some people. I'm under the radar. I don't take a lot of hits anymore. Coming up on seven years since everything went south for me. And Greenville's been an option, but I gotta confess, one of the reasons we haven't gone for it it's because I've been scared of the criticism and I've been scared of just the hell I know that I'll catch. But God started doing something to me last week. I told him, I said, God, if you want us to go, start making it clear. And I'm telling y'all, don't play games. He started making it clear. I sent a text message to a few friends of mine, just telling them, hey, listen, here's the deal. There's an option. I'm scared to death. And one of them, I had several of them text me. One of them texted me this. I'm not going to call his name because some people would, would know it, but 
so cool. This is what he said. You have one life on this side. And God has given you a second chance to use this one life for his glory. There's the greatest commandment. There's the greatest commission. What most people never realize is before those, both of those things, there was the greatest assignment that was ever given that has never changed. God blessed us to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion. So as a spiritual father voice in the kingdom, let me say to you, go take dominion and to hell with the criticism. God bless you. I'm just telling you, if you'll tell God that change, he'll meet you right where you are. So Father, right now, as we get ready to close, God, I just pray with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just need God to change something in your life, it's scary. Cole talked about it last week, it's scary to leave the baggage, but what do you need God to change? And maybe you're here tonight and the change that you need is you need to accept Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your life. You've never asked Jesus to come in and take over. And tonight you realize you need him. You need what that paralyzed man had. You, you, you need to be empowered and Jesus can empower you and fill you. And I mean, it's, I can't even begin to describe to you how great a relationship is with Jesus, but you've got to invite him in your heart. So if that's what you wanna to do tonight, I'm gonna to invite you to pray right where you're standing. I'm gonna ask you to pray out loud, but not alone, because everybody in this room, we're gonna pray this prayer out loud with you. So just to let you know that when you step into the family of God, you don't step in alone. So Second Chance family, let's pray this out loud with them. And if you need to pray to receive Christ tonight, I want you to pray this right now. Just pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room, if you just prayed that prayer, you just asked Christ into your life, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. So do me a favor, do me a favor. If you just prayed that prayer, hold your hand up, just, just put your hand up in the air and just leave it up for a second because I wanna celebrate with you. Anybody all over the room? Put up in there, thank you so much. Anybody else? Hands, hands. Father, I wanna thank you all day long that you've saved people. All day long in every service today, somebody has met you, Jesus, that you changed lives. Jesus, I wanna thank you for the people that, that are saved but need to take that next step. And God, how you spoke into our lives through the, your word today and, and showed us how to take that next step. May we be a church, God, that never gives up on the Great Commission May we have a heart that mirrors your heart. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And everybody that agreed said, amen and amen. Did you, do you love the fact that you came to church tonight? I hope y'all have an awesome week and we'll see y'all back here next weekend.